Submission Coalition podcast number 67 with the one and only Broku, Anthony AJ Crip. Woo! Loud and proud. All right, we're live. All right, we're live. Let's, uh, live at, uh, what is it, 7, 7.20 in the morning. Nice and early. Nice and early. All right, so we're sitting here talking with AJ. Um, AJ's uh, 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 he's probably one of the most exciting people that you're going to get a chance to meet. Uh, his energy is unreal, um, but it's all positive and it's all uh, all love. So, um, so now you're 2-0. Yes, sir. As a uh, as an amateur fighter, and lately you've literally been traveling everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, lots of business and lots of new right. opportunities coming up, which is awesome. <laughs> yes, sir. Absolutely awesome. Um, now we like to talk about uh, like origins, how people got into it. And I understand that you're one of a couple a uh, couple people. I guess you used to host. Backyard fights. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Way back in the day. Yes, sir. Back in high school, uh, I just got an idea. I wanted to start doing backyard fights because I loved fighting. So I started asking people around high school, hey, you know, let's all get together on a Saturday, all at my house, and coach the freaking house would be filled all the way around the block. Yeah, people people love that kind of stuff. Yes, sir. So I've been doing it for ever since I was a little kid, kind of like George Masvidal, I guess. Right. Yeah. Well, kind of same thing. I mean, they they used to do those kind of fights. Yeah. Now, were you were you guys doing bare knuckle or were you wearing gloves? No, or? we were always wearing gloves. And actually, me and Cedric actually fought in the backyard too. Are you? Do you yeah. fight against each other? Yeah, we fought against oh, each wow. other, and he slammed me on my freaking. <laughs> he he was a strong boy even then and he had he's always had very good wrestling skills man so he's he's always been a beast and he was in those backyard fights too man that, that's that's all crazy yeah we used to uh we we were personally ourselves never involved in uh because we were we were already running our school when other people were trying to do the the backyard stuff and so we were already connected with with uh uh, I, I wouldn't, I still wouldn't say they were technically, were technically legal, but uh, definitely uh, uh, a little bit more controlled. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cause California at the time period when we started uh, MMA was illegal in the state of California. Oh really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So, so when you were doing things like MMA, you were either going to uh, the Indian you know, the reservations, since local jurisdiction, California law, it doesn't apply on the Indian reservations. Okay. So federal law still applies, but federal law doesn't, federal defers to the state level when it comes to things like price fighting and that kind of stuff. So each state gets to pick and choose how they want to do their boxing commissions and, and the like. So we would either go to like the uh, Indian reservations to do what we consider to be sanctioned fights. Cause I mean, they, they were, I mean, they weren't the, the, the Indian reservations when we were doing that stuff. They were not flying by the seat of their pants. I mean, they were, I mean, they, they, they were, they were probably, to be honest with you, some of those fights were probably more regulated than some of the fights we've done here in Florida. Wow. Way more regulated. Um, That's freaking cool. So yeah, the, they, they took, they took that stuff serious. They didn't, they didn't play around. Like uh, first time we ever met Herb Dean, on an Indian reservation at a supposedly non-sanctioned fight, uh, according to the state of California. Wow. But, you know, but the tribal commission 
that was uh, superseding the the fight. Man, they they took this stuff serious. You know, they brought they brought in. I mean, her her became like the the referee. You know, and and at uh, like places like Jackson Rancheria in California. I mean, they were bringing in. I mean, top top people. Those you know the uh, the uh, uh, which uh, do you remember what tribe that was? Miwok. Miwok. That's a cool name. Um, yeah, they, they took that stuff very serious. The fighting culture within, you know, within the uh, Native American is, is is very strong. And so, yeah, they they took that stuff serious. They didn't just they just didn't put put together. So, so that's where we were predominantly going to. So we didn't we didn't really touch into the backyard stuff, you know, that much. But we only had like time recorders, and then yeah. I was I was the ref for every fight, and then we would have like twenty fights at a time. Yeah. And it would be all different weight classes. It was crazy. And one guy, he, uh, we had this guy, Zach Gaza and Rob DeMonte fight. And Zach Gaza ended, actually ended up getting his uh, arm broke. Wow. I didn't realize it until like a couple of days later. And he never even tried suing me or nothing. He just, just took it like a man because he was in wrestling with Cedric too. Uh, wow. How did he break it? <coughs> uh, he was in an arm bar. Oh, a shit. A deep one too. And he just kept slamming him down, slamming oh, him down until he let go. And then even afterwards, they had one more round because we did three three-minute rounds. Right. And he was still punching them. And I still got all the videos. <laughs> I got to show you because they banged that one yeah. out. Yeah, as I've, 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 I've boxer fractured my left hand. Um, and I've broken, luckily it was a, a no separations. It was just hairline fracture. But uh, I broke my left forearm oh. blocking kicks. Dang. You know, coming in, they're throwing that, that hard kick, coming in, blocked it, took it off the forearm, finished it. And then later it was one of those where like we were trying to squeeze something. I couldn't, I couldn't get any uh, power. So that was like, every time I would do it, this pain would just go up my arm. And then when I got checked out, I, uh, I had a hairline fracture. How long does it take for them to heal? Luckily, uh, it was just a hairline with no, uh, no separation of the bone. Okay. So it was pretty quick on that. Well, plus by the time I went to the doctor, I was already, you know, like two weeks in. So. And you're a boxer and heal like yeah. crazy. No, nah, I'm just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're my coach for a reason. I'm, I'm just dumb. I, I'm too, I'm dumb and stubborn. It's a, it's a hard combination. So for this next fight, do you guys have a general idea who I'm going to be fighting yet? Or No. Okay, so it's all yeah. still in the works? Yeah. I'm excited to go up a weight class. Yeah. That's going to be nice for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to see how much more the competition is going to be, too. I want a really – I want a solid 3-3. I want the experience in there. I want to see what my heart got, which yeah. I feel like it has a lot. And I just want to be able to just yell across the cage a few times. Let's go! Let's go! <laughs> yeah. So now, what what's some of the stuff that you got? I mean, because like you're you're a person that's like so connected to so many different things, you know, of just. Well, right now, uh, I got a YouTube channel that I'm starting up, and it's going to be called Broku Science, and it's basically like how I roll and like how I do things. Cause everybody always wants to know, like, how do you manage all those different things? Right, how yeah. did you get into all these different yep. things and why? Nice. For me, it was, I just always wanted to be the guy that could do it all. And I feel that I am a late blossom because I was on drugs for so long. Okay. And that's why I came to dark wolf. I was going through a bad breakup after five years. I was on drugs really bad and I needed something to cling on to. So I, you know, I wanted to live. Right. And I didn't have anything. So I was like, 
Garrett hit me up, Garrett Nelson. Right, yeah, that's 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 how how we ended up meeting you for the first time. Yeah, and uh, he had talked took him a while to talk me into it, but I finally came in, and, and you guys just showed me such love and such yeah. openness. It it was just right there on the money for me. I was like, this is where I belong. Nice. And ever since then, I've been here. And like with everything else, like I've always wanted to be an actor. I've always wanted to be somebody that inspires the world and inspire the world with positivity, to be more empathetic with each other, to be more understanding and less judgmental, because I feel we have way too much of that already. So why not give the world my love? And I feel with fighting too, I have this huge platform that I can speak on with everything that I'm doing and it can help motivate the world too. With each platform, I, I want to use them for certain reasons. Right. And I feel that with fighting, if I can keep pushing forward the way I'm doing and show people how I'm doing it, it can, you know, maybe change things a little bit. And people don't come in as angry right. or as, you know, certain ways thinking, oh, you got to kill each other. You know, let's come in here and love each other and still kill each yeah. other. It's a different kind of love. You different kind of love. <laughs> exactly. Kind of it's love. that tough love. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, martial arts, I got lucky. I, uh, uh, I got attracted to martial arts. I found it as my vice. Um, shoot. I mean, it was before 1978 that I, I decided that I wanted to, that I knew that martial arts was something I wanted to do. So, I mean, that's, I was seven years old. Seven. Yeah, I think it was seven yeah. years old. Um, yeah, and it's weird because like you've talked about it uh, uh, before where like when I was younger, I used to watch like certain movies and I, I would literally get goosebumps on my arms just thinking about, you know, not the movie. I mean, the movie was irrelevant. It was more the martial arts. It was more the martial arts themselves and what they what they meant, what they could do, things of that nature. And then uh, it wasn't that long ago. It was just a couple of years ago. We were we were driving along and I was listening to an interview with uh, with uh, Ty Mock, uh, the guy that was the, the lead actor in uh, The Last Dragon. Uh, so he played Bruce Leroy. And I was and that was one of my jams way back in the day. And Chris Christian is one of Christian's jams too. Oh, okay. So, so we're uh, we're listening to this interview, and I sit there and I go and listen. I go check it out, and literally I've got goosebumps going all the way down my arm. <laughs> oh my and, I mean, and now at this point, I'm I'm like 48 years old, you know, and I'm I'm still feeling the same goosebumps I had, you yeah. know, as that seven year old kid. I love you know? that that inner child. Like, oh, yes, sir. You know, and it's cool. I mean, I've always felt that way. I mean, the one part that people forget, we always try to stay positive, but every day is not easy. Exactly. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, uh, unfortunately, in today's society, too many people, the moment the going becomes difficult, they try to jump and look for the next, the next thing that they can jump onto rather than saying, you know, no, let's stay the course. Let's let's get past this little hurdle. You know, name name a relationship anybody's ever had in their life that's been one hundred percent joy. Like, I I thought Will Smith had it, but apparently I mean, no. No. <laughs> no, he did not. Nobody <laughs> has a happy life, an easy life, all the way one hundred percent. I right. totally agree with you, Coach. Even even the best love takes work. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know, and so when we look at it, I mean, the highs are super high. Sometimes the loaves feel super low, but it's it's that desire. I mean, not every day of training did I ever enjoy every day. There were some days I fucking hated it. You know, <laughs> there were some days getting my ass kicked, 
some days going to the gym, you know, training or whatever, feeling like, you know, some days you question, the fuck am I doing this for? You know, and then, then you remember why, you know, then those goosebumps pop up. You're like, yes, that's why. That's super freaking deep and it resonates. And then you realize sometimes also why, um, like in that particular scenario, you know, in most cases, you know, I, I needed whatever was happening. I, I needed my, my, my sensei or my instructor to tell me, no, fucking get off your ass. You know, let's do that work. Yes, sir. You know, or, or every once in a while, and he actually wasn't yelling at me. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we imply a lot of things. You know, we, we hear, we, we, as being sometimes we're overly empathetic. Yes. And we take other people's stress and we make it our own stress, you know, and everything else. And so there were times like I would be in class and whenever my instructor would be yelling, you know, about, you know, dropping your stances and things of that nature, I'm like sitting in my mind going, I'm fucking trying, you know, <laughs> I'm like, but then come to find out, you know, that's was, tough love. He wasn't me. actually yelling at me. He was, <laughs> he was yelling at other people. Uh, now you just did some pro wrestling. Yes, I did. I did. Uh, I've already done like I think eight matches. Nice. Same and organization. Same organization. Same organization. And uh, I mean, these guys are fucking huge. I mean, they're not no little guys, and a lot right. of them are pro Olympians are getting into that. Right. So, I mean, for me, it's just acting. I mean, it's nothing too crazy, and a lot of the times. The scripts are me getting my ass whooped. So yeah, I don't yeah. really got to do too much besides <laughs> just talk shit and then, you know, beat their ass a little bit. And then they slam me on the ground. One, two, three. Right, right, right. I'm out. <laughs> I was just uh, wrestling this one guy. He's 315 pounds in Las Vegas. Damn. And he, I couldn't do nothing. Yeah. There was not a damn thing I could do to wrestle against him. He was just so strong, knew exactly how to do everything. He kept doing this damn roll where he would grab the back of me and we'd be on the ground and he just freaking flipped me over really fast. And I'd be like, on my back, like, how the heck did this happen? Right. So the pro wrestling has been really good. It's paid really good too. And it's a life changer because I've never been able to travel like that. Yeah. So going to Las Vegas, it was go to Las Vegas. We had to wait two hours to get our luggage in. And then we thought we were going to miss the plane so we barely got on the plane and then we thought we were gonna be able to eat i didn't pack a bag to go on the plane i didn't know you needed <laughs> to do that by dumbass so i freaking don't pack anything i'm starving because i'm trying to get ready for a bodybuilding show and i know i'm feeling depleted so i'm like all right let me just ask the attendee lady to give me some chips or something right i get on the plane i ask and she's like no food for the first two hours and i'm like right. okay yeah i'm sorry yeah. And then everybody around me like sees like how sad I am, and they all start giving me food. Like, <laughs> and I feel all this overwhelming love around yeah. me. I'm like, fuck yes, thank yeah. you. So I start munching down. I'm like, all right, I can at least survive the first flight. And I think that when we touched down in New York, we're supposed to have an hour before the next flight. And I'm like, all right, then I can finally eat my ass off. Yeah. No, as soon as we get there, and I have to push this guy because, like, he used to be an ex, like, Olympian or something, and I, I don't know how much information I can put out because he's a very private guy. But it's all, it's all good. Um, I had to push him. He used to be eight hundred pounds. Oh damn! And he had to go through surgery, this, that, and the okay. other. So, like, I'm pushing him while we're at the freaking airport, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm dead, and I gotta push this guy too. But we gotta make it to the next place. Right. 
So we get on the next plane, and I'm even more hungry. And at this point, I'm like, I hate this. <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. Well, that's that's a hell of a trip to have to go from Florida to New York, New York to Vegas. Yes. I mean, that that's a lot of extra travel. It was. Yeah. And it was my like second time traveling because the only other time was like when I went to Atlanta for the first time to meet my dad that I never met before at like 17. So for me, I thought I had everything planned. I just had to pack a suitcase and I see everybody else with all this food and shit. I'm like, God, why did I not do research? Right. <laughs> what if I said? I mean, it's the flight from here to from Florida to New York is probably what, two plus hours? Uh, something like, uh, what was it from uh, here to New York? I think it was like four hours, something like that. Yeah, something like that. But then because the flight from New York to Vegas is like another five plus hours. That was like six or seven Five. hours. See, that's and and then the time lag too. So I was all confused. And then I had this mean lady sit next to me, <laughs> and she was taking up all the spaces. And I, I'm like, yo, you mind if I, you know, just get my armrest? You have yours? She's like, looks at me and she says, no. And she goes just like this, and she goes back to sleep. And I'm, I'm like this the whole time, and I'm like, God, oh. I can't get any worse. Oh, and it gets worse. A baby starts crying oh, right no. behind me. And at this point, I look around, and I give this guy this mean look, and I try not to, but I'm like giving him the look, like, get your child to show up, please. Right. No, not happening. He just looks at the child like, it's okay. It'll be oh, all right. Yeah. So it was quite a trip. And then when I touched down in Vegas, it was almost like 12 o'clock. We still had to wait to get our luggage, find out that the luggage and our wrestling mats didn't come. They're going to be coming in like two days. Oh, Jesus. So I had to pay everything out of pocket. Chargers there are like fucking $30 right. just for like a gas station charger. Oh, yeah. So the first two days, I just like stay in the freaking Luxor Hotel. And I don't even go see everything like right. everybody usually will. And I'm just like, fuck this. I hate my life. Oh. <laughs> Luxor is one of my favorite of the uh did you did you go actually go into the pyramid? Yes. Uh it's gorgeous. Uh, the, I thought at I first it. when I was looking at all the lights, I'm like, all right, you know, that's pretty cool. And then I find out they're all hotel rooms. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And there's like three thousand or something like that. And I'm like, well, in, in the pyramid, I don't think there's three thousand. I think when you add the towers, oh okay. and everything else. But it's so cool. I love the pyramid because it's all open. When you're standing there looking up. And you see the walkways yes. on the inside. I mean, it's it, it's one of my favorites of, of all the hotels in Vegas and everything else. Luxor is one of my They have all the artwork, too. One of my favorites. And I'm yeah. like, wow, it was so mesmerizing for me. and it's such so an eye-opener. Cool. And that's just, for me, travel is where it's at now. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to travel more, especially for fighting. Like, when this gets bigger for us, like, the dojo keeps growing right. for you guys. I see, like, so much work is being put in with the team. We have such a good foundation, I feel, with our team love, the support. Uh, I remember on, like, one of the last fights, it wasn't this last one, but the one before that, mm -hmm. all the teams showed up for Anderson at the end. And we yeah, all yeah, stayed yeah. there. Yeah. Somebody said something. I don't remember if it was you or somebody else, but it was like, this is what a real team is. Like That was, uh, that was Richard Cox. Richard Cox, yeah. And, uh, yeah. That was Richard Cox. He came to the back. Because we were all sitting there while well, the shark was getting, was getting stitched up. up yeah. Um, and yeah, he just, he walked back and he goes, he goes, this is amazing. That's right. I, I was asking, I go, I, go, I don't, I don't understand Richard. What, what's amazing. He goes, this. I'm like, uh, I apologize, Richard. Um, 
I understand. What is this? And he goes, this, this is what I'm talking about. He goes, Richard's over there getting stitched up. Teammate, 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 wife, girlfriend, coaches. He goes, the whole team is here. He goes, a lot of other teams would have left already. And would have only been like one or two people, you know, sitting around waiting for, uh, and then, then it was frustrating because then they were trying to kick everybody out while the yeah. Sharks getting stitched up. Uh, uh, we're gonna leave until our man's done. Like, no, no, exactly, that ain't happening. That's what the team's here for. Exactly, we here. You ain't, you ain't kicking nobody out till uh, till we know he's taken care of. I mean, this has taught me really what you know friendship and loyalty really is. Well, it's it's one of those things. I mean, you hear people talk about all the time about you know they say about how like MMA, you know, you fight alone. It's not a team sport. Yeah, I, I will disagree like, to, to the grave. I will disagree. I will too. Um, I know that I, I mean, I've traveled around, I've trained in multiple States. Um, I've been lucky enough. I've been part of one team start to finish. Granted, we've had members float in and out, but I've been with my instructor now for how many years was since Eric? Jiu-Jitsu is 27 years. <clears throat> At least from 91. But been, been with him now for, for probably a little over 30 yeah. years. Like I said, we've seen people go in and out, you know, but, you know, the, the commitment, the loyalty, everything else, um, you know, seeing the things that he's done, the things that we've done together as a group, the things that he did to help me out to, to, to then create Dark Wolf, the things that he's done or continue to do even from the California side, including Caesar, you know, uh, of being part of that, you know, even as well as we started, you know, growing. And, and then you look at all the training partners you've had over the years, you know, the people that never fought, like, let's just take the fighters out of the equation. Look at just the people who have never fought. I, I arguably say that some of the best fighters, and I'm air quoting on that, some of the best fighters I've ever met have never stepped up in a cage, but they've been the training partners to the people who have. And when I've been there, they've been actually the most consistent people training because the fighters kind of ebb and flow as the, you know, as the fight comes up, they ramp up after the fight, they kind of, they kind of heal up a little bit, they kind of disappear. But those, those other people that support group is, are the ones that are there the most consistently every day while the other group kind of floats in and out. Yes. Sir. You know? And so, you know, realistically speaking, I mean, it's, it's, you know, for, for anybody to ever believe that, especially in MMA, that, 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 that the team does not play a factor, that the, the, the family environment, the, 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 the team environment and the like, that, that that doesn't play a factor. And I will argue with people to the grave. Because, I mean, realistically speaking, I, I don't think there's a single person that's ever had success in this sport that didn't have a group of people around them to help them in that process. I believe that um, 100%. And, and like I said, and a good number of those people never were the ones to step into the cage. They sacrificed blood, sweat, and tears so that that other person could yeah. step into the cage. And they were more than happy to do it. I mean... And then, so it's one of those things, but that, that's what martial arts is about, though. That's that camaraderie. That's that when you're coming in, you know, that puts the goosebumps on your arms. You know, why do we come in and train every single day? You know, why, why do we let somebody, you know, 
squeeze on our neck to the point where, you know, we, we want to tap because we're about to pass out, you know, or why, why do we, you know, let somebody punch us in the face? You know, it, it's certainly not because we enjoy getting punched in the face, you know, but we enjoy the process of helping somebody else grow. Yeah. You, you training with somebody else, they've got a fight coming up. You helping train them to get them ready. You feel their energy. Yeah. You know, them doing it for you. When, when you were making your weight cuts, it's not easy at that point. This sucks. But then you get five people around you that are like, no, no, you got this. Yes. It may not, we may not like everything, but we know the support's there. We know that love is there. We know that vibe is there. And, you know, and people know what we're capable of and won't accept anything less than our best. You know, and that's, that's the goosebumps. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the part that, you know, just, just completely just makes you feel good. You know, cause there's too many people, like you said, there's too many people in this world that don't give a fuck. And realistically speaking, would love to watch you fail so they can step up so that they can, they can, you know, step on your back to elevate themselves, but won't be there to help lift yes, the sir. people that they step on, you know, and that's what that whole group environment, that's, that's the part that to me is, is, you know, that's the team, the people that just step on each other. That's not a teammate. Exactly. You that know? is no teammate. No, they're right. <clears throat> they're right. They're, they're an individual. They just used other people to, 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 to propel themselves and never help the other people around them. You know, and that's, that's the part where I will agree with that. That's then. Yeah, you're right. You didn't have a team. You used a team. Yes. But you weren't part of the team. Yes, sir. I mean, this team, Anthony in particular too, like I, I have a couple of favorites here. Anderson, Dewan, yep, yep, Garrett, yep. and Anthony are like my all like, those are the people I connect with. I feel best here. Yeah. And, um, the one there was one time Vaughn's energy oh man. my gosh I, I love him <laughs> i was doing the weight cut and i was in there and he's like he comes over there and he looks at me and he's like so this is what it comes to yeah. <laughs> and i'm like yes the one you're so right i gotta do this like i i could have never pushed myself as far as i am today with everything that i am doing without this team this team has helped me raise my confidence raise my empathy like there's so much you have taught me coach Thank you. I appreciate to that. never give up and to be consistent and you have taught me that it is all about the team now now to be honest with you though and, and again uh, Melissa knows I this is the type of person that I am okay I appreciate those words yes sir okay? but you come across to me like one of those individuals okay you're not going to get stopped no Okay. I, 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 I'm happy to be able to be that motivation, you know, but you come across to me as one of those individuals that let's say I did not exist. You'd still find a way because that's, that's the vibe I get from you, especially the, where you're at in life right now, that, that, that energy that you have, that you're going to find a way hell or high water, whatever obstacles in your way, that the point in your life where you're at right now, that no is not the answer you're going to take. I would. My grandmother yeah. raised me that way. She she's so, always told me, even if it's one little step at a time, you always move forward. Yeah. Don't stay. Don't stay in one spot. And I, 
I mean, I would be able to, but with everybody that has inspired me to be this person that I am today, you know, you could say that if you didn't exist, you know, I would have found a way, but it, I want to be this person, you right. know, and I just love everybody that is around me at this point in my life. I am I so thankful that. for that. And I would find a way no matter what, but it's not for me. It's for other people. Right. I, yeah. when I do this fighting, when I do the acting, when I'm doing what I'm doing right now, I do it because I remember at a, at a time when I was in a dark place and I don't want people to be in that dark yeah. place. I don't want people to feel alone. And if I can be that light, damn it, I'm going to be that motherfucking bright light. Yeah. Then I'm going to show people. And you're shining bright, brother. I appreciate That's that. That's what I love. You're shining bright. <laughs> I want to make sure. Yeah. I meant it when I told you that Dark Wolf will be known around the world. Yeah, brother. I will not stop yeah. until <laughs> you guys get noticed and the gratification that you deserve. Well, that, that I appreciate that. We'll shine together. Yes, sir, we will. We'll shine together. This team is going to be big it's going to be big we have a lot of people that have lots of talent dylan garrett everybody on this team has something very special that somebody else doesn't have in their uniqueness and that's yeah. what i love about this team everybody is here for each other and i i have never had that in my life i've never had that the way i have it with you guys see and that's that was for us because like i said i mean for for me um, yeah, I've, I, I haven't hidden it. You know, when, when I was younger, I hid it. Um, but I, I, I battled with, uh, depression and anxiety and things of that nature. And for me, martial arts is, I, I found, luckily, I found early that that's my place that when, when I go and I train, okay, I didn't care what was in my bank account. You know, I didn't care if I had 20 bucks or if I had 2000. Okay. At that point, all my financial worries at least disappeared for the couple hours I could train. Um, whatever, whatever dark thoughts were in your head. I had suicidal thoughts when I was younger, things of that nature. Um, you know, but those would go away. Uh, the inner voices, the negativity, the, the, the inner demon, you know, or whatever, would go quiet while I was training. And then the more I could train, the more I could keep that silence, the more I could keep that positive energy. And so the, the training for me, kind of like for you, it, it's, you know, I, I, I and I, I will put this out there. I had a fantastic childhood. I can't, you know, I, it's, it's not like I was, you know, covering up for some, some hidden trauma that, <laughs> that took place in my life. That didn't happen. I had great parents. I had a great childhood. I had a great family. But there's just certain things that, you know, you know, feelings of inadequacy, uh, feelings of doubt, feelings of, uh, you know, you know, like I said, and then the, the depression, anxiety, things of that Those nature. Are hard too. Those are hard. And they're, and they're irrational. Yeah. When, when they, when they do, when they do happen, they're irrational. Yes. Um, and again, so for, so for, for people listening, I mean, I, I don't, none of that. I had a fantastic childhood. I, I, I mean, I'm kind of one of the anomalies. You're people like, you know, I didn't have drug problems when I was younger, um, but I found my martial arts early. And my martial arts is my dream. I mean, this is this is this was my release. This is what I found. Um, so I got I got very lucky in that regard, you know, because I, I had other people around me that that did go down that pathway 
Um, but then early on, I found myself separating sometimes from them because they were trying to pull me away from my safe place. They wanted me to go down that, that pathway. And, you know, I was like, at times I was like, nope, we just got to separate, you know, at this point in time, you guys are going to go your way, I'm going to train, you know, oh, yeah. things of that nature. Thank you guys very much. Awesome. Yes, already back. Back. No, we're doing no, we're it now. Going, <laughs> now you're it's good. All good. This is how unprofessional we are. <laughs> Love you, bro. <laughs> um, so the, the movie that you did a little movie not that yeah, long ago, right? I was I was in it a little bit uh, for a little bit of the extras and whatnot. It's called Amends of the Father, and it's going to be coming out in over like 20 countries. Oh, wow. I don't know exactly when it's going to be released, but like I was just like the guy that was holding the stuff, and then they got me in some of the films. So like you'll see my face probably here and there, but it wasn't anything too crazy. But still, it kind of put your toe in the door. Right? Yeah, yeah, it definitely got my toe in the Are door. Are you in the credits? Uh, yeah, I'm oh, yeah, so, yeah, I'm in the IMDb database. Because that's for... see, that's a major difference, though. See, there's 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 being like an extra, and then there's having your name in the credits. Yeah, when they told me that that's... they were gonna put my name in there, I was like, "Whoa, that's crazy!" That's a step. And then I didn't know what. The <laughs> Even if it's just like guy holding door, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, and then to be at that huge mansion, it was like a fifty million dollar mansion, damn. and just. I guess that's where like Donald Trump stays. Um, and it's like Tampa Bay Islands, they call it. So like, I never saw houses like that before. So when I saw it and I like got to go inside, I was like, wow, this yeah. is like how, you know, other people live, like different people that- So when I go to places like that, it's called museums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not, that's not a house. No, that's, like, that's not how I look at it. It's like, definitely a museum. They had every bathroom in that, had a bathtub that had the jets in it. Right. The master bathroom had a a bathroom that was as big as this office. Yeah. Like not not the bathroom itself because it was bigger, right. but the tub yeah. <laughs> that they had was as big as this room. And then they had a shower for the man and a shower for the woman. Okay. Damn. So I was just like, wow, this is crazy. So uh, I'm getting more into acting and that's why I'm creating the YouTube channel. And that's why like I've been doing social media like this whole time to build my confidence. Right. You said that's going to be called Broku Science? Yeah, Broku Science. And I'm just going to talk about like how I get prepped for fights, talk about the team, talk about bodybuilding, body right. a little bit of everything. You know, hopefully that'll spark some minds to get into fighting, get into something that is other than just sitting at home on the games. Right. I feel like a lot of children these days and the next generations need people that are going to help them get out of the yeah. home because yeah. the parents are so busy working, doing the nine to five, creating the money. So right. they need somebody other than, you know, celebrities that are talking about drugs, money, right. gangs. They need somebody that's a positive influence that's still crazy to an extent but it has his head on and it's like, all right, you right, guys yeah. do this this way. And you know, you'll possibly be where I am someday. Right. That's what I want to do for the kids. Like when I come here and here and I see all the kids and I see how much they love me, that makes my, that's so fulfilling for me. So that's why I want to do all this too. I want to inspire kids. I right. just, it's inspiration is where I'm at. Well, and that's good. Cause there's, there's already a lot of, uh, um, just because you're on social media and just because you call yourself an influencer doesn't mean you're a good one. Exactly. And there's a lot of bad 
influencers out there that literally, I mean, in my opinion, they're only chasing likes. Yeah. Okay. Their message, when you watch it, their message shifts based on how many likes they get. Yes. And unfortunately, negativity right now sells. So a lot of them right now are only about putting out stuff that, you know, if it's not really, so have, having a place that's positive vibes, things of that nature, you know, and everything else in a place that actually can make a difference, you know, is, is definitely different. I mean, there's something I got told and it's like, good attention is better than bad attention because bad attention, it's more for the ego. Right. And this year, last year, it's been really hard because I used to be one of those overconfident guys and I wanted to put that to the back and just really speak from my heart right. every single time. And I find, I mean, I get messages every single day from people telling me, if you didn't do this, right. you know, I want to be able to make it through the day. You posted that video, made my day, because I post crazy stuff. And people are like, at first they're like, what are you doing, you crazy animal? And right. I'm like, well, I, I think it's funny. And right. then people started laughing at it. And then I started gaining money from it and gaining more, you know, good attention. From right. It, right. You know, it, so I was like, all right, let's just keep the train rolling. And, and I, I think some people, they just take themselves too seriously. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and, it, and it's that it's that seriousness, that that portion of taking themselves so seriously that makes it to the point where they can't cope with other things when they happen. Like, um, I loved, uh, was it, uh, Sugar Rashad? Yeah, Sugar. Okay, Sugar Rashad and, uh, uh, Keith Jardine, I think he did it. And I think at one point in time, I think even, uh, even George St. Pierre, okay. But yeah. specifically Sugar Rashad, I heard him in an interview where he was talking about how he would go in and walk in the cage and he's in the corner and he would tweak his own nipples. And in, in the thing, they were like, what? What kind of, what was that doing with you? He goes, he goes, it can't get any sillier than this. That here I am on a worldwide broadcast. You know, how many people do you hear in a fight? They're not really concerned about losing. They just don't want to look silly. Ah, so and he goes, I'm already looking silly. Yes. I'm here just tweaking my nipples on a worldwide broadcast. He goes, it can't get sillier than this. Genius. He goes, so now fighting's easy. Yes. <laughs> okay, sugar show. I'm gonna do it right now. I'm gonna make my nipples before everybody now. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh. But yeah, I, I heard him in the, I heard him in the interview on that. And he was like, he was it like, makes so much sense. He's like, what what he goes, I already look silly. What else is there to fear? Like, yeah, and because you do, you hear that from a lot of people. Like, you know, we hear from people doing uh, jujitsu tournaments or the like, and it's, you know, they're like, oh man, you know, I don't, I don't mind if I lose. I just don't look stupid. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, once we, once we tow the line, I mean, what's about to happen is going to happen. I mean, it's, it's whether, whether we get taken out in five seconds or whether it's a knockdown drag out war. I mean, what's about to happen is going to happen. Let's start doing I mean, my bunny hop before I fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Bunny hop into the cage. That'll be my new thing. Right. Everybody's going to go crazy. <laughs> I love right. this. So, um, ultimate goals. <laughs> ultimate goals are to go 5-0 and oh, and then hopefully go pro afterwards after I talk with you guys. I trust you guys with the way I look at it, I'm on a boat 
and you guys are like controlling the sales and like telling me, all right, this is what you need to do. This is the right thing. And we have such a good trust factor. I'm just like, all right, let's fucking do it. Right, <laughs> let's fucking go. So once in my head, I already envisioned myself 5-0, putting in the work. Hopefully I can get, you know, into PFL, UFC, something right. big with my energy. And then then we'll see where it goes from there. But I want to be in movies. I want to be like the next uh, Wolverine or the next Superman. So I'm <laughs> taking little steps to make that happen in right. the next few years. Now, now if I'm sorry, I mean, if I have it correctly. So you, you acted in the one movie. Yeah. I heard correctly. Didn't you also do some stunt work for some other stuff? I mean, I know you're doing pro, the wrestling. pro wrestling. Yeah, right. stuff like that. And um, I'm just waiting for other opportunities to come in. And as as they come in, I'm saying, hell and you yeah. Got your, and you got your bodybuilding competition. Yeah, I got the bodybuilding competition, which as soon as we're done with this, I'm going bodybuilding practice for an hour. And yeah. I thought that was going to be easy. No. But you got to hold those poses yes. for like a minute. What do you think about it? You're doing an hour's worth of isometric exercises. Uh, that's hurts. hard it hurts that's hard uh-huh yeah and then <laughs> i'll sweat just as much as i'm in oh, yeah. here then then in competition you're gonna do it while dehydrating yes <laughs> and with a smile on my face and and at the end of a weight cut just like you would have for a fight only now you got to be holding these poses for a whole freaking hour <laughs> oh sorry i almost used the f no, word no, no, <laughs> So it's going to be interesting. Uh, they, they say drink a little bit of wine. I'm going to have to shave my whole body, which yep. I really don't want to do. They, they, they shave up. Then they put like that uh, the tan. tanning stuff on to, to pull out so that it's kind of like a car, you know, yeah. certain, certain, certain <laughs> paint is. jobs will show off the, the lines of the body. Yeah. When, when the light hits it, you'll see the depth, you'll see shadow, you'll see things of that nature. So it really shows off the, the, where, where the muscles come together and they'll, you know, it kind of shows off the depth of the, of the, of the, of the roundness of the, of the muscles and the like, and really helps it see from even further away, you know, the, the differences in the muscle, you know, that kind of stuff. When's the bodybuilding competition? It's uh, in less than two weeks now. Yeah. And then right after that, I'm back inside here training full time. So I can get ready for it. So, so are you on your, uh, on your, your, your cut? right now yeah to, i'm starting to cut now i'm at 165 lean the body at, out i'm leaning the body out to 155 and then uh i mean i'll be right at the perfect weight to go into the next fight so then, i it all works perfectly out for me the way i see it and some of the bodybuilders they they go through they lean themselves out to get their body fat down as low as they can the dehydration and the like also thins the skin so it lets the lets the muscles kind of show through a little bit more and then, like a little bit just before, some of them do uh, do some little little tricks with uh, like sugar and stuff like that to bring the vascularity yes. out and make the veins pop. I mean, Coach, are you a bodybuilder? If you're just not no, telling us. I used to. So so early, early, early back in the day. So uh, um, martial arts magazines were hard to find. Okay. I mean, you, you, like if you went to the local store, you didn't find martial arts magazines. So. If, if I could find them, I would buy them, but I could always find a bodybuilding magazine. Okay. Uh, Muscle and Fitness, um, you know, uh, Joe Weider had, uh, I'm trying to remember what, uh, what his magazine was, but you can always find a, a, a bodybuilding magazine. So, you know, I never had aspirations of, uh, of becoming a bodybuilder or the like, but, you know, during the days of, uh, 
the rise of Dorian Yates and you know a couple others in that, like uh, Ronnie Coleman. Uh, you know, that's that's about the era they they hadn't. I was just starting to read the magazines when Dorian was making his first run uh, for his first Mr. Olympia, or maybe it was a couple years later. Um, so that's about the era that I was reading the. Uh, so this would have been um, if I have any of my dates correct, because I know I started. I started personally buying some of the magazines when I could, probably about 83 or 84, ah. somewhere in there. Um, you know, so, you know, Arnold was, Arnold's always been Arnold. I was waiting for that name to come but up. But Arnold wasn't, you know, he, he, was, he was already the guy, but that new wave. Okay, you know, so he was bringing that. That new, new wave was coming through, like I said. So I, I, was, I was reading uh, workout <laughs> advice from guys like Dorian. And the like, and I, I was really digging his his stuff because he was talking about he's like if you're going to the gym, and this was this was the articles I was reading from him. He's like if you're going to the gym and your workout's taking you longer than like an hour and a half, he's like you're fucking wasting your time. Yes. He's like get in, do your work, and leave. He goes and pre-schedule your workout. He's like so if you go in. And I've got it preset. And he was the first one that started talking, you know, as I was you know, starting to get into it about logging your workouts, you know, because I mean, I would go into the gym and fuck, man, I, I'd forget what I was just lifting two days ago. It's like, man, when I was doing bench, what was I on? You know, and then you're kind of fumbling through it. And then by the time you realize where you were, it's too late. You were already, you know, you already kind of burnt some of your, you know, your, your energy in it. So he was the first one that got me logging workouts, thinking about logging workouts. And then also same thing as saying, set that game plan, go bang it out, go do it. And if you have, if you feel like you have energy left, don't hit that extra set. Just elevate the next workout. Yes, sir. But he was one of those, he was one of those first ones. And this was, this was, uh, uh, this was, I think he was just, just about to win his first Mr. Olympia. Um, and then uh, obviously he, he did multiples and then Ronnie Coleman was starting to make his way. Now he was, you know, I liked Dorian cause he seemed to me to be uh, a little bit more rational and seemed to be a little bit more, uh, like he had a, a, an actual plan, you know, Ronnie to me, you know, don't get me wrong. I love Ronnie Coleman, but he just seemed like his whole thing was just to go big or go home, you know, and it's like that old adage, no pain, no gain. You know, that, it don't work all the time. Not all the time. Because some of that pain is your body telling you it's too, too much. Yes. You know, and that's where we talk about in jiu-jitsu all the time about uh, getting you to yourself to the point where you understand the difference between <clears> discomfort <throat> and injury. You know, and, and for most people, they feel discomfort and they think it's an injury. And I'm the other guy. Okay. I'm the guy that's too dumb and, and too, too stubborn. I'm injured. And I try to play it off like it's just as comfortable. Uh, you know? so, and so that that was Ronnie Coleman. You know? Yeah, that was you know he would he would push beyond those limits. And unfortunately, you look at the price he's paying. Yes. Now some of that it could be genetic. Yeah, you know, like I have I have uh, degenerative discs that uh, seem to be a little bit more you know predisposed to uh, to that kind of stuff. But Dorian, if you look at Dorian even now. That dude's still doing fantastic. Mm. Yeah, he's still doing fantastic. I mean, he's he has his issues. Like, you know, you can't push yourself to that limit and not not walk away with Something. some limitation. Yes. Um, you know, but for the most part, he's doing good. You know, because once he said, you know, these are those thresholds. You know, and, and he was throwing around big weights too. I mean, for for his day, 
you know, Ronnie was just taking it beyond. Yeah, he was know. going way, way beyond. Yeah, so. like, like when he felt his back go, you know, in the middle of that lift. You know. Yeah, I was watching some of those videos. I'm just like, how can a human do that? And yeah. they're, they're not supposed to. That's why. <laughs> so for those, I love, I still to this day, I love watching uh, some of the, like the bodybuilding documentaries, looking at, you know, guys like, like Ronnie Coleman's got a great documentary on, uh, I think it's Netflix, mm. that uh, goes over, you know, his life and his lifting and his injuries and, and things of that nature. I mean, it's... I'm curious, where do you guys picture seeing me in the next year with the fighting? Like, how many fights do you think it would be? Because I've heard a few times from a few different fighters, get more fights while you're young, get the experience. So at this point, we're, I feel that I could get at least two more fights in after this one, and that would be, what, four fights? Four fights, yeah. Do you think that would be a good amount every year? Do you, what do you guys, based on injuries, well, like, how do you? Well, it's, it's one of those things. Like, I mean, you hear people all the time, you know, and they say like, oh, get all those fights in now. It's just experience. Okay. Yes and no. Okay. I mean, yes and no. Because I've seen people take some ridiculous fights. Fights that didn't make sense. Fights that made no sense at all. All risk, no, no reward. reward. And they were sold on the idea of experience. Experience for who? Okay. Getting your ass handed to you, you know, for the sake of a promoter putting over another fighter is not experience. Yes, sir. And so I think, to be honest, I think there's a lot of rhetoric out there that people put out there because it benefits their agenda and it's not in the best interest of the fighter. Right. Yeah, we when I mean, when Christian is looking for fights for you guys, he's looking for challenging fights, fights that are going to challenge aspects of your game that you're working on. Yes, that but that we have a chance of winning. Okay, that it's 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 not a foregone conclusion that you're going to lose. Well, think about it like that match. Like if, if you go to the gym, okay, and you know, let's say your your PR in a particular lift, let's say is, you know. 500 pounds. Okay. That's your PR. Okay. And somebody says, Hey, in, you know, in, in two months, I have an opportunity for you and we're going to go for 525. Okay. You're looking at it right now, go look at right now. I can do 500. If I really push myself and everything else, I can get that. Maybe I can get 525. Okay. It's a challenge and you're going to have to rise to that occasion, but it seems doable. Then somebody goes, hey, in three weeks, I got an opportunity for you, but you have to lift a thousand pounds. Like, fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off. It's the same kind of thing. Okay. So it's making smart choices on fights, fights that are going to develop you. Because that's that's the whole point of amateur, is amateur is developing you as a fighter. Okay. Um, Sometimes that means you're going to take really hard fights. But but again. But winnable fights. When when we're saying it's going to be a hard fight. We believe that there is always the potential to win. If, yes. we, if we do our work, we get a good game plan together. We execute. And everything else, we think there is a path to victory. We're not saying it's an easy path to victory, but we think there's a way to win. But I mean, imagine right now, like this has happened, where we have a person that is on our fight team. This, this happened a while ago. So 
Uh, we had a person that was on our fight team, white belt in jiu-jitsu, two fights. Okay, so he was two and up, two fights, white belt in jiu-jitsu. And they reach out to us and they go, we've got a guy. And we're like, all right, who's the guy? And they give us the name. And I'm like, wait, this dude is like a four-strike brown belt. Oh, shit. In jiu-jitsu. We just watched him in his last fight, you know. And this dude's also got like seven or eight fights under his belt. Our guy has two. And he's a white belt. He's yeah. a white belt. He's very green and everything else. We're like, the fight doesn't make sense. That's a dumb matchup. Like, that's just a dumb matchup. Yeah, that makes sense. We're like, one, from the experience level alone, when you have a person with seven, eight, nine fights and you're wanting to pair them up with a person who's only got two, okay, just from the experience level alone, not a good matchup. Then we start looking at it and then you get the people that want to say, well, well, you know, again, so they, they ride the fence when it comes to this whole, it's an amateur thing and it's just experience. They ride the fence on it. When they tell you, you know, oh, it's just Amy, don't care about your record. Okay. Show me a fighter that doesn't care about their record. Yes, exactly. Show me a fighter that doesn't care about their record. Okay. Because if you, if you give me a person that says, I don't give a shit about my record, look at their record. look at their record okay because that ami record is your resume when 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 you go to make that first step into pro into pro okay that makes that resume will open this door but not that door ah okay so realistically speaking and again let's say you have an AMI, AMI record, O and five, because it takes five fights in Florida to go pro. So let's say you have an AMI record, O and five, versus a record that's three and two. Okay. So I'm not even saying to the extremes, yeah. a five and O versus O and five. Three and two is going to open up a certain door that O and five cannot. cannot. And O and five... <laughs> hate to say it you're not being brought in to win you're being brought in to make somebody even on a pro card to put over somebody else's person that they're trying to elevate that's the side of this business that a lot of people don't want to talk about okay that as much as you know you want a good person that's going to act in your best interests because other people are, are going to make a lot of money off of you win or lose they're going to make money off of you if you get your ass beat and they're going to make money off of you if you put asses in the seats because if you're not the one putting asses in the seats you're there to put over the guy that's putting asses in the seats so realistically speaking that's part of this dilemma a good matchmaker okay and there are some good matchmakers out there they try to put together on paper what they see are good, solid matchups where each guy, you go, wow, each guy's got a chance. Yeah, I can't call this one. I can't call this one. That's a fucking good matchmaker. Yes. But when you get a, when you get a matchmaker that's looking at it and it's a blowout, okay, that's a bad matchmaker. What the fuck did they put that match together? Yeah. For? And unfortunately, we've, we've seen we've that. Seen that <laughs> where 
no joke, we're in the back warming up for a fight. And they come up to us and say, make sure your guy is ready because the fight in front of you is not lasting 15 seconds. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So if you think that's how the outcome of that fight is going to go, why were they matched up? And that's, and that's the part, you know, that, because realistically speaking, at the end of the day, you know, your record is your resume. It's when, when you go, I mean, granted, it is an Amy, your pro record is going to matter more. It's going to matter way more. But that Amy record is a reflection of the choices that you make as a fighter. It shows a commitment to the training, to the workouts, to the ethics, to everything else. What commitment do you, you believe an 0-5 fighter has? Versus a fighter that's even three and two. I mean, nothing compared to the three and two. Now, granted, at the same time, though, who you fight also makes a difference. Because, again, if you are a five and oh fighter, and then you look at the people that you went up against. And they're all tomato kings. (laughs) And they're all, they're all horrible records. Yeah, you should have won. Exactly. And so when people look at the UFC, or Bellator or PFL, and they say to themselves, man, how did that guy get in there when his record is only this? Yeah. Who he fought. Well, there's a couple things. One, <clears throat> look, he's probably coming from one of the big camps. And so he's got somebody vouching for them. Uh, that says, no, 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 man. This, this, dude, this dude is this dude beat, bust my ass. And so this this dude is there. He's opening that door. Remember we talked about people stepping on each other's backs? Yes. So that's a person who elevates themselves and then reaches back and says, let me give you a hand, brother. Yeah. You just just lifted me up. And there's a lot of people that will make that step up and go, thanks for the help. See on the flip side. Yeah. That's that person because he's he's getting into the ear of the PFL, the UFC or whatever to say, hey, these are my boys. Yes. You think I'm good? Fucking look at them. You should see this guy. Yes. So that's one way that they got that ticket. The other way is their record. Who did they beat? Not not necessarily that they're five and zero, six and zero, seven and zero. Who did they fight? And what did those people go on to do? Because when you have a record where you've got some good wins, and those people then went on to make waves. Okay. That again, that's your resume. That opens up the door. Golden ticket. If if you are shooting for that CEO and you're handing in your resume and all it says is that you were swapping fries at McDonald's. You're not going to get the job. You're not going to get that job. (laughs) We haven't been able to talk much about my last fight. And I'm curious what you guys thought about it. Because I haven't really got to hear from you guys what you thought about how I got the... I guess it's called a Kamoya. I was just trying to rip his arm off. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember always doing it to a lot of people. I hold their arm down and then I put my arm right there and yep. lift it up. And usually nobody can control that. And I felt my rib. So I was like, if I don't finish it now. I think your rib was the first clash. I, th- I think so too. At the very, very beginning. Because that, that, first, that first part happened 
and there was a whole lot of some back and forth. Yes, there was. Yeah, you know, where where you got him, he got you. There was that. There was that little scramble. You know, there was a little bit of some uh, some interestingness that took place. Oh there. yeah, definitely. You know, uh, and then you know, obviously, you were the one that finally was able to secure uh, uh, a position of control. And then, you know, at that point in time, yeah, because I, I think, I don't think that he thought necessarily, because I remember, because that was all happening for the most part, like pretty much right in front of us. I couldn't completely see because the position that we were in, um, you were blocking the grip that you had on his arm. Oh, okay. I just remember his reaction, you know, because I, I don't remember him tapping. Oh, okay. I just remember him vocalizing. What he yeah. said, I don't remember him saying anything. He didn't say it was just uh it was just a a at that point he was like ah, ah you know, oh, okay. and it was just a vocalization and then the ref steps in and uh you know and stops it. I thought um, I was gonna snap his arm. I yeah. it was really close that ref thank god he got there because I look back at the video and I'm like that arm was it's, up there. Yeah, on the yeah, it's, it was tight on the on the video, man. That thing was there was no know. getting out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and again. That's another one of those things when people look at it. Oh man, it's you know, it's just it's just amateur. It's just experience. Yeah, you know, uh, getting a broken bone, having your arm broken. Um, like right now, I mean, it's one of those things. I'm I'm personally, you know, I, I somebody would have to really seriously talk me into, you know, the 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 points of an ammy fight with elbows. Uh, I don't think there's a justification, you know, for something of that nature. Yeah, it's great because, you know, the promoters love action fights or something of that nature. But, you know, again, in, in an AMI setting, you know, elbows in a fight, to me, don't make a whole lot of sense. No, oh, no. Um, getting cut up when you, you're not getting paid. Exactly. You know, and, and at the same time, it's, it's kind of one of those crazy things. I mean, there's, there's tons of organizations out there. If people are looking for fights, you can go get them. You, you got to travel, you know, but at the same time, um, you know, a lot of AMI fighters are paying more money than they're making. Even though it's AMI, a lot of people are still making monies through sponsors, yes. things of that nature. Okay. But the insurance that a lot of the uh, promoters have, okay, you are still responsible for the deductible. Yep. So you could be, in theory, losing money to take care of injuries that didn't need to exist. Yes. Yeah. We're already going to get punched in the face. That's already going to happen. We're already doing submissions. Granted, I like that it's limited as to what submissions you can do. So it limits the uh, the exposure. It limits, you know, like I said, you're not doing neck cranks. You're not doing spinal locks. You're not doing heel hooks, things of that nature. Things that, yet again, for this AMI fight, could inevitably cost you, yes. you know, a lot of money. You know? And it is experience. You know? It is experience, but experience needs to be the right thing. I mean, I've got to say another thing that I love before we do every single fighter's fight, our little group. Yeah. That yeah. really brings, talk about the goosebumps. Everybody gets together. Every single time. Everybody's firing. It's, I get the goosebumps when that. It's we exciting. That. We got in trouble at the last fight. Did we really? Yeah, they're like, uh, we need to move this along and you guys can't have your you guys, hug like everybody in the team. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we got in trouble. 
We still won the fight, though. They yeah, they told us that uh, they're like, you do that shit in the back. Wow. So, but you're not hugging it out before you go in the cage. You're like, man. <laughs> like, it's kind of funny because most of the other groups were doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, what time do we got real fast? I do have to get out by eight. Oh, oh you're past, man. Yeah. All so, right. Let's go there. Let's go there. So, <laughs> so check him out. YouTube channel, Broku Science. Uh, Instagram. Instagram is Mr.Crib, Mr.Crib. And as always, guys, I'm here to help spread positivity, positivity and love. My coaches are everything to me. And also a great shout out to Christian Monkey Jiu-Jitsu. Without him, too, we would not be where we are today. You I love TikTok? this team. Yes, I do. If you guys want to see my TikTok and my bunny, buddy, <laughs> it's Broku 1000. Broku 1000. <laughs> All right. I right, appreciate it. I love you guys.